Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, if you have been listening in real time, you know that we have been in a series that has to do with creating a framework of sales management. For most of our businesses, we have come to a point with where the economy is, where we can no longer afford to simply play defense. That's the way that the last few years have been for many companies is that there's been so many you know, metaphorical fish jumping in the boat. It's all you can do for the boat not to sink. But now companies are having to rethink the way that they do sales. And my hope is that this series so far has given you value. And in this final episode of it, we do something really, really cool that we've never done before on this podcast. So to give you a quick recap of where we've been, just as a reminder, in the first episode of this series, we talked about building sales compensation plans and goals to go along with it, right? We want to know as a company, where are we trying to go and how are we going to pay our people to get there? In the second episode, we talked about utilizing a documented sales process. In part three, we discussed operating from a sales dashboard and why that's something that our team members have to live and breathe inside of. After that, we talked about coaching the right behaviors. You know, what are the core behaviors for your team that you're actually going to sit down and coach on a regular basis? Now, in part five, we talked about how we need to operate off of key measurements. We talked about the difference between lead and lag measures. And in particular, we hit the idea of backlog plus the number of estimates being written up per week, a follow-up routine, and then how to turn that into a scoreboard. Well, in last week's episode, we talked about taking all of that information, the key measurements and the metrics, and using it to run a regular sales meeting that's effective for your team and inspires them to do the right behaviors for the rest of their week. And that's one thing that's really tough. There's a lot of bad sales meetings that happen. We want to have a sales meeting that inspires the team, shows that we're here for them, and that we're all part of this together, and they can go out and crush it this week for your company. Now, in today's episode, as we end this series, we're going to talk about a commitment to sales practice that this is something you must do if you want to grow your sales team, if you want to move from playing defense to playing offense, you have to commit to sales practice. And this is something that years ago, I think it came about through Tim Rethlake, but I just started doing this with my teams and I noticed that we got better and better and better. And sure, there's parts of sales practice that are a little bit awkward. That's something that just happens when the microscope's on us and we're forced to analyze our behavior. Over time, that practice started to turn up the volume on what we were doing right and wrong, and we were able to pay attention and learn from it, and it's been incredible to see the growth of the salespeople that I've seen commit to regular practice. So what we decided to do for this episode is I was on a trip out to Lexington, Kentucky to do some work with Barnhill Chimney out there. And their retail sales team are some of my favorite people in the industry. And I was talking to them anyway about maybe doing a Zoom call to invite them to this episode. And they literally said, when you're out here, just bring your mics and let's do it in person. So literally, this is what we did as part of the consulting work that I was doing with their team. 
over the last week, we literally did sales practice, but we recorded it. And that's going to be what you hear in this episode, just pure live sales practice. So I'm going to have some wrap-up thoughts to share at the end, but I want you just to listen to this and realize like, I mean, this takes serious, serious guts that, that these people would just do live practice on the internet. And you'll hear the rhythm of how we practice, how we affirm what went well, how we critique each other, and then we do it again. And my hope is that as you listen to this, you get inspired to start doing this in your own company. So I'm going to jump out of the way. I'll share some thoughts on the back end. But for now, I'm excited for you to hear this live sales practice that I was able to take part in last week. Joining me live from Lexington, Kentucky are two of my favorite salespeople. I'm here today with Quinn Lackey and Curtis Coomer from Barnhill Chimney. How you guys doing? Doing well. How about yourself, Tim? I'm doing good. I have been excited about this for a while. And Quinn, this actually came about through you. I've been wanting to do an episode about a commitment to sales practice for a while. And you guys were actually both on my list to call. And you were like, you're going to be out here next week. Let's just do this in person. So thanks for putting that together. Hey, I'm really excited to do it. So I want to start out with this, guys, because we've spent a lot of time together virtually and, and, and you know a lot of time together actually in person as well over the last few years. But I feel like you guys have really done a great job of committing to the practice of you know working through your book of business with a sales dashboard, of working on a sales process, and really just trying to get better and better. There's not many companies I've seen that have had that same level of commitment. And I guess I would want to start this out first by just asking what what did you first think when we started doing sales practice and has that changed at all over the course of the couple of years we spent together? I personally was a little bit wary of it. Um, it's a lot like the things that you talk about on the podcast all the time where you, you say that people are like, oh, it's not real. It's, it's not similar to real life. So it's not really even helpful. I'll just learn on the job. Um, but then the more that we did it, the more um, useful it became. Yeah. How about you, Curtis? Yeah, it changed the whole uh, the whole game because it before my goal was just to help whoever was in front of me, and things would pile up. And now I'm getting ahead of things, and it's actually like I'm the one driving it, um, and still getting people you know, what they came to us for, uh, which is a great fireplace for their needs. Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, I, I, I'm trying to remember when I did sales practice for the first time, but it, it really is nerve wracking at first because, you know, we're sitting here in front of each other and it's, it's vulnerable to, to practice and then to ask, Hey, what could I have, what could I have done better? What, you know, what, 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 what did I do? Well, um, you're, you're putting yourself on the hook. And so literally like, you know, we're about to do just live sales practice and critique each other and talk about what went well, what could be improved on. But, but these are things that really take guts, but I'm just convinced that just the simple daily practice of this really, really can transform the way that we sell. I've seen that for myself. I guess I would ask that Quinn, what is one thing that you've learned through sales practice, like in your tenure of, of being a salesperson? I've learned the things that I'm not as confident on because when you're talking to a customer, they don't know fireplaces. So you're not really going to look stupid. Um, but when you're talking to one of your other, your colleagues, if you say something that isn't accurate, they're going to be, they're going to call you on it. So you just learned what you don't know as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, okay. So 
just to, to frame this a little bit for the folks who are listening, I sent Curtis and Quinn each a scenario. So they each have a scenario that's like their fictitious story and that's their background and I've got one too. And the way that I like to do sales practice is we define what we're going to practice. One person goes. And then what I like to do is I, I like to first ask what went well. How did that feel to the person who was the salesperson? Hey, how did that feel? You know, what do you feel like went well? And then just ask the rest of the group, Hey, what did, what did you observe that went really well? After that, then we can talk about, hey, is there, is there a word of feedback that'd be helpful that would make this person better? But I think that that rhythm of we practice, we ask how it felt, what, what, what did you think went well? And then asking the, the rest of the group what went well before jumping into the feedback or the criticism is really helpful because the reality is like none of us are there. Every one of us could have a good day or a bad day with sales practice. I mean, I've literally crashed and burned in front of my clients as I'm teaching sales practice. And that's okay. Like you just get back up and say, oh, that wasn't great. Like, let me, let me try that again. But the rhythm of being affirmed in what you are doing well I think just puts you in a in a mindset to be able to take a piece of feedback um, maybe better than than we would be able to otherwise. So with that said, I want to jump in and I want to I want to practice the greeting and I want to practice understanding the customer's problem. So we're not gonna we're not gonna get to products yet. We'll go through um, we'll go through greeting and understanding the customer's problem. So does anybody want to go first as the salesperson? Uh, I'll do it. All right, I'm gonna be the customer. So, oh, okay. This is a good one. Okay. I got my scenario now. So, uh, I'm going to say, uh, ding, ding, ding when I walk into the store and then from there, we're going to, we're going to go. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Curtis Coomer. Here you go. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Barnhill Chimney. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm good, man. It's actually, it's a pretty nice day outside. So things are looking up. Yeah, no, absolutely. With, uh, the weather, it's been a great time to get out and play basketball. It's been great. Yeah. With this great weather, what's brought you into the fireplace store? You know, so we moved into our house probably a year and a half ago or so, and we were thinking about taking on the fireplace last year, but we just got busy and it just kind of lost sight of it. And I, I felt like, yeah, may as well do it now. See if you know there's a discount for buying in the summer or if it's going to be you know easier for your crews to get out to our place. So here I am. No, that's awesome. I love when people are proactive like that. Um, well, if you have a second, let's uh, let's take a seat. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about um, you know what you're wanting to get out of the fireplace, what you have now, and um, where we can go, where we can meet you. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm also going to take some notes, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, my name's Curtis, by the way. Horrible at introductions. <laughs> that's okay, Curtis. I'm Tim. Nice to meet you. Okay. Nice to meet you, Tim. Um, so you mentioned you moved in a, about a year ago. Um, is that, that home here in town or... Yeah, it's uh, it's actually it's like just uh, on the outskirts of, of Lexington. You know, it was built in 1926. Um, and you did mention that it has a current fireplace, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, it, it's got candles in it right now. And we uh, tried to build a fire this winter and it was just not successful. It just kind of smoked the place out. So it's, yeah, it's just had candles in it since then. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you had a, a sweep, a chimney sweep out there since you've moved in? No, I, I didn't even think about that. Okay. Well, uh, part of our process, we will, you know, have someone out there for that. So, um, just wanted to see kind of where we're sitting now. Um, did you happen to bring in any pictures of that fireplace? Um, I don't have any pictures. Sorry. Again, not a big deal. We'll, uh, we'll kind of get there as we're moving through it. Okay. Um, 
So when you're looking at that fireplace, uh, I'm assuming it's got some sort of masonry front to it. Um, how about the the chimney on the outside? Uh, what do you mean? What do you look? What, what do you mean? Yeah. So um, a lot of times you'll see a brick structure either sticking out through the roof or um, kind of boxed off from the side of the house. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. I, I missed what you're. Yeah. So we're it's it's a masonry structure that's right on the outside of the house, and it just goes. Yeah. It's just a one-story house with a chimney up there on the side. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you mentioned the trouble you had burning wood this past winter. Um, were you wanting to stick with wood or did you want to explore some gas options or? Uh, I, I think I want to go gas. I mean, I've got, I've got two little kids and, uh, me and my wife are frankly just a little bit nervous about burning wood. And, uh, we we stayed in a in a vacation home actually this winter that had like a gas fireplace with like one of those remote controls that you could use to turn it on and turn it off and, and it was pretty cool like I'm just yeah I think with the little kids and stuff that um yeah wood just makes us both a little bit nervous no absolutely and we do have great options for that um so once we you know dig into that we'll get into some options with those safety features in mind okay um I'm assuming with where you said the home was will be on uh, natural or sorry on propane um. You were actually on natural gas out there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, even better. Yeah. Is that better? Pro, like natural gas versus propane? Um, it kind of comes down to preference a little bit. Uh, if you already have natural gas to the home, uh, generally the install can be a little cheaper on getting it to the fireplace and you're uh, running it hour by hour. It's come, you know, sometimes is a little lower. Okay. Uh, plus you don't have to worry about filling a tank up every year. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I never thought about that. So... Uh, that room that you're in, uh, that we're, we're looking at putting this in, is it something you guys use a lot? Is this, yeah, I mean, it's not a huge house. I think the house is just about 1500 square feet and, uh, really almost all of our time that we spend is, is kind of right in that living room. Okay. Gotcha. Um, the reason I ask is we have a couple different gas options and just based on, you know, what you said about the kids and safety being a big thing, I am leaning a little bit more toward our direct vent. Um, so, uh, I'd kind of like to dig into that a little bit more, and we'll, of course, talk about the differences okay. of that. Um, I mean, I definitely didn't know what a direct vent was before I started here, so uh, we'll we'll dig into that. Okay. Um, but just a couple more questions here about the fireplace. Do you have electricity nearby it, like an outlet to the side? Uh, I'm sure we do. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, just to the right of it as I think about it. And do you already have the gas in the fireplace itself or just to the house? No, I don't think there's any gas, any, any gas to the fireplace. I'm trying to, it'd be like a pipe sticking in yeah, there, right? You either have like a little one to two inch or, or two to three inch uh, pipe sticking in there with a cap on it, or it'd be a big old bar sticking all the way in. No. You probably notice it when you put those candles in. Yeah, no. Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll have to look at um, getting gas to that fireplace. That's okay. something we'll kind of address once we get out there. And did you have any um, ideas for the look you were going for? Were we wanting to keep it, you know, a little bit more in with the age of the home, go a little more traditional or move up a little bit more, uh, more modern? Um, I mean, the style of the house is, I mean, it's an old home, so it's like, it's a pretty traditional house. And I just imagine sticking with that. I mean, to be honest, like my wife is a little bit more in touch with the, the design than me, but I mean, it's not, it's not a super modern house. And I, I think for us, what's really important is, we just we want something that's just going to be able to keep us warm in a power outage. I'm assuming these can do that, right? Absolutely. And that actually leads great into what I was going to get into next, which is what kind of heat were you expecting out of this? You know, some people just want a decorative fire, um, but it sounds like you're more interested in something that you can you know, either 
help keep the uh, the heat bill a little lower. Yeah. Or, or you know, heaven forbid, we're in that power outage situation. Something that'll that'll keep you warm. Um, and we've got plenty of options that will you know have different electricity needs. But you know, rest assured, any of the direct vents we look at will work in a power outage. Okay. So we've got lots of great options there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we we definitely do we definitely do want heat. I mean. Um, I, I mean, I'm assuming that the house already, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think that we're going to need to replace the furnace or anything, but, uh, but we do want some heat. So yeah, if you can show me something that would, that would be able to heat, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's actually get into the fun part. Uh, cause you know, based on what you've said here, I really, uh, I have a, a specific brand of, uh, direct fireplace I'd like to show you. And we have a couple different styles with that. It fits, uh, right into our better line. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a look over here at our gas insert wall. Perfect. Okay, let's call time out on that. Curtis, good job, man. Good job. Um, okay, so first off, I want to ask you, um, and I mean, I mean, I think you did you did terrific. Um, how did that feel? Yeah, that is. It's incredibly awkward to uh, to have a, a phony scenario, but and a microphone shoved in your and face. a microphone shoved in my <laughs> face. Um, but it. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel bad. Like it, I'm, I'm kind of going through the process of what I would ask a normal client, yeah. and um, trying to figure out where their needs lie. So, I mean, it doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it felt good, other than the fact that it was awkward, um, and that's just you know the nature of the podcast. Yeah, there's always bits of awkwardness. Totally okay. Um, what's one thing you felt like went well during that? I think we had a, a an okay rapport. I don't. Um, uh, I don't. I probably could have leaned a little more into into building that, but um, since I know you personally, it it kind of yeah, it, it smooths in a little easier there. Um, but yeah, I think I got a good amount of questions asked about what you have in the home, yeah, um, what you're wanting out of it. You know, a good safe fireplace that'll keep you warm in a power outage. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, Quinn, what did you observe? What what went well in that? Yeah, I I love that he started with a positive where he said, we, we all talked about the weather. I think starting off on that positive note is a really helpful way in. And it just it just sets the tone for the rest of the day. And then, of course, I mean, very, very amiable and seemed to yeah. put you at ease. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like you did a really good job with um, rapport and trust. Now, again, we know each other. Um, I'm, I'm using a fictitious scenario and, and truly like my goal as the customer, there are times where I might play a little bit of hardball, but my, my goal playing the customer is not stump the salesperson. It's let's run the play and just observe how the play goes, you know? And so I thought you did, I thought you did a really good job with the questions. I think that, um, the questions that you asked were purposeful and in the, in the moments, like, you know, I was going to give the feedback of like, well, you know, direct vent is kind of like insider language, but I thought you did a really good job of defining it. So it's like you use the word direct vent and then you circled back and you're like, yeah, you know what? And I actually didn't know what a direct vent was at first. And and that was just a really good way of bringing me into your world. So like when we do use a piece of insider language, making sure that we qualify it and bring the customer in. Um, I thought you did a really good job of that. Um, what's one thing Quinn you observed that, that could have gone a little bit better? Yeah, mostly I would quibble with um, the order of things. Mm -hmm. Just not saying the direct vent that early. Asking about the goals yeah. of the fire of of the project a little bit earlier on. Yeah. Are you looking to you know? Are you looking for heat? 
or, ga- or, or, or are you looking more for aesthetics? Yeah, I totally agree. I think the questions are great. Um, there's a couple pauses that got a little bit long, but again, it, I don't think it actually got horribly awkward. Like you were looking at your notes and even though it was a, if, if it would have gone too much longer, it could have gotten awkward, but I don't, I don't think it got to that point. You seem to be thoughtful with where you're trying to go. Um, but I would agree the one thing would be maybe a little bit earlier on what are your goals? Um, cause that can buy you credibility to ask more tactical questions. Um, but honestly, dude, uh, I have never ever had an experience like that when I've secret shopped ever. I've never had somebody sit down and do that. So, you know, if you did exactly what you just did to a customer on the floor, they would have a phenomenal experience. So good job on that. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, let's do this. Quinn, you are the customer and I'll be the salesperson and let's, uh, let's go. You ready? Okay. Uh, you make the dinging noise. Ding, ding, ding. Hey there. How's it going today? Hey, going well. Just, uh, coming in to look at some fireplaces. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey, my name's Tim. It's super good to meet you. Nice to meet you, Tim. I'm Quinn. Quinn, awesome. Well, man, you, you picked a nice day to, to come in. So thanks for coming here on such a beautiful sunny day. Yeah, loving this weather. It feels great outside. Yeah. So um, I guess maybe to start out, is this your first time into our showroom? It is. I've actually visited a couple of pla- other places in town, but this is my first time in, in here. Where, where am I? Barnhill? Yeah, is that Barnhill. Right? Okay. Well, man, thanks a lot for coming in. We appreciate that, especially if you've been shopping around. What, what was it that, uh, that, that made you think about us in particular? Yeah, well, I mean, so there were there's a couple places in town. I'm just I'm just you know, anytime that I I do a project, I get multiple quotes. You know, or I try to yeah, um, just just so that I can make sure that I get I'm getting the whole picture. Yeah, so I got another quote somewhere else, and I wanted to see how you all do things here. Cool, awesome. You know, it's funny we got our roof replaced uh, about seven months ago or so, and I I never replaced a roof or anything, and so we had some folks come out, and uh, it was it was a little bit high pressure, but I mean they were they were nice enough. But I told them I was like, you know, I, I don't know much about this, so I, I got to get a couple of proposals just to even get a lay of the land. So that's that's cool that you're doing your research on that. Absolutely. So okay, well, tell me a little bit about your your project. I'd, I'd love to hear about it and and see what we can do to help you find a solution. Yes. Well, I've, I've got a, uh, I've got a fireplace that it's an old wood burning fireplace. I'm getting a little older and I just, I, I don't want to deal with the wood, the mess, splitting it, all that stuff. So me and my wife are looking to just switch things out for a, uh, for a gas fireplace. Um, just really, really think that we look forward to that. Cool. Okay. Well, awesome. You know, as you can see, we, we have a, a bunch of different kinds of gas fireplaces on display. Not every fireplace will actually work in every different home situation. So if it's okay, I'd love to sit down just for a minute or two and just ask you a few questions about your project to make sure I'm on the same page. And then I'd be happy to show you some fireplaces that'd be a really good fit. Would that be okay? That'd be great. Okay, cool. Well, why don't you have a seat right here? Do you mind if I grab my laptop to take some notes? Go for it. Okay, perfect. Okay, Quinn, so you said that you have an existing fireplace. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, it's, it's a brick fireplace that we burned wood in, um, full chimney. It, it's, it's, and I don't know if these things are standard or not, but it's, it's a pretty decent size. Okay, and um, so you said that, that it, it, it's a brick fireplace, it, it burns wood right now, and you were thinking about gas, right? That's right. Can you tell me a little more about that? In, in what? what? What are you hoping to get out of it when, once you have a gas fireplace? 
Well, I mean, so we had the the uh, our straight line windstorm knocked our power out. Luckily, it wasn't too cold, but we were just worried if that happened when it was cold, we'd love a source of backup heat. And then on those colder days, just you know, kick the chill off, sit in front of it, yeah, watch a movie for sure. Okay. Um, how do you guys use that space right now? The room where the fireplace is? Yeah, we do. We do some reading. We've got a TV in there, so we'll watch the ball game or movies. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is one of the main spaces in our house. Oh, okay. And, and how's your house laid out? Is it a pretty open floor plan? It's an older home, so it's not super open. Okay. Um, but you know, I mean, the door, the doors aren't closed or anything like that. So it'll circulate some heat. Okay. But you'd say you spend most of your time kind of in that space. Can you tell me a little bit more about the room? Like, does it open up to a kitchen or anything like that? It opens up to, you know, it's got a bigger door that goes into the dining room area. Okay. Um, there's an office right off of that in the hallway. Okay. Okay, cool. And you said that the fireplace is pretty good sized. If you had to guess, like how, how wide and how tall do you think it is? Uh, I would say about three feet wide, maybe two and a half feet tall. Okay, cool. Yeah, a lot of fireplaces in the area are, are pretty similarly sized to that. And what we can do is today we'll look at some fireplace options. We can get you a, a ballpark price for what this project's going to be. And if that looks good, we can actually send someone out to take a look at it. They'll confirm those measurements just to make sure that everything's on the same page. Um, you said that you wanted to burn gas. Do you have gas to the house right now? We do. Yeah. It's an older home. So we actually have a gas furnace. Okay. Um, so we have gas to the home. I, we don't have a, a gas line to the fireplace already, but. Okay. And, um, for running gas line to the fireplace, is that, is that fireplace on an outside wall or an inside wall? Is it inside wall? Inside wall. Okay. So when a fireplace is on an inside wall, usually will run the gas line if you have like an unfinished basement below we can run it through that if you have a crawl space what what's underneath that room it's an unfinished basement okay perfect well that that sets it up really really well to run that gas line that's awesome um now you mentioned that you've shopped around a little bit have you seen anything that you've liked so far yes so i actually um you know we were looking at two different fireplaces at the last place i was um okay. there was the chaska 29 from okay. i believe it's cozy heat yeah and then we also looked at the 32 DVS from Fireplace Extraordinaire. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm familiar with, with those models, and the, those, those can both do a really good job for you. Um, what did you like about those in particular? Uh, the Chaska, I really liked that price point. Yeah. Um, but the 32 DVS did have a really nice flame, so I, that's what I liked about those. Okay, okay, perfect, perfect. And w- did you get quotes on both of those? I did. Okay, awesome, awesome. Cool, man, you're doing your research. Um, if I can ask you just a few more questions, this will give me a really, really good sense of your project. Then we, we can take a look at some of these. How many overall square feet is your house? It's about 2000 square feet. Okay. And you said it was older. What year was it built? I didn't get that. It was, it was built in like the fifties in the fifties. Okay. Is your roof outside pretty steep to walk on or is it, is it not too bad? I mean, I wouldn't want to walk on it. Uh, hypothetically you could. Okay. But not, not particularly easy to. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you have a, do you have a two story home? Uh, it, it's a ranch. Okay. 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 Perfect. And right now, is there anything that's in the fireplace or is it, is it just currently open fireplace? You could just burn wood in it today. Yeah. It's just open. There's a grate in there that the, that the wood sits on. Got it. Okay. Okay. And then is there a particular decorative style that you want this fireplace to fit to? Is it a traditional styled house being a little bit older or is there a more modern look that you want? Yeah. It's sort of that, uh, we have, we have a bunch of bungalows in the area, so it's got, it's a more traditional style. Okay. Got it. That makes total sense. Um, okay, perfect. So Quinn, just, just to recap and make sure that I understand. So you mentioned that your home was built in the fifties, about 2000 square feet. 
and that you are looking to go from your existing brick fireplace that burns wood into something that is gas that you know gives you gives you a little bit of heat and some warmth and in particular you like the flames of the fireplace extraordinary unit you saw you like the price point of the cozy heat and that you know you're, you're kind of just doing your your research right now to see what would work um is that a pretty good understanding of your of your existing situation or is there anything i'm leaving out no that's perfect you did a really good job of of getting that all down okay cool well i got a few models in mind that i think could be a really good fit uh would it be okay if i went and show this to you please okay we'll call time out on that as the salesperson i felt like that went pretty well i mean i think there's some things that i i probably could have done a little bit better that I'll, i'll be curious to get your feedback on but i felt like we made a good connection and that we that we eased pretty well through the questions there was one point where i felt like it went a little bit long so i was like hey thanks a ton for you know for bearing with me this give me a really good sense of your project let me do you mind if i just ask you a couple more so um yeah i felt good about it overall how, how did you feel as the customer for the most part it's it, it it was just a little bit long but customers usually don't hate talking about themselves and their uh and their home yeah yeah curtis uh yeah, what did, what did you feel like went well in that? I hate to piggyback off of everyone else's answer, but uh, I had a lot of good notes for what I liked about that. Uh, my only thing that I that I thought could have done differently was that it was a little long. Yeah. Um, but when you brought it back in and you're like, you know, thanks for bearing with me. I appreciate you going through all these uh, these questions. I, I crossed out in my notes all that, right. you know, that it was too long. But- so. But it also wasn't, there wasn't a part where it was lagging or where there was an awkward pause or where I would have felt that this was all nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Curtis, keep going. What was, what was uh, an observation that you thought in particular worked? Uh, well, like straight off the bat, you got into an anecdote with them to relate um, with your roof, you know, yeah. and, and shopping around, getting different things on a thing you didn't know anything, not, you didn't know much yeah. about. Uh, so same deal with most clients coming into the fireplace world. That's just not something they're as familiar with. So, you know, it was nice that you did that. Um, I also really liked when you qualified our selection. So, you know, you mentioned we've got lots of things that work in all sorts of different apply- applications. So let's sit down and this is why we're doing this long totally. process of sitting down. Um, and I think that's missing in, in what I do as well. So, I, yeah, I found like just that little phrase like, oh, yeah, like we have a bunch of gas fireplaces on display, but not every one will actually work in every home. So if it's OK, I'd love to just ask you a few questions. I feel like that's a good way to give you a license to ask. OK, let's uh, let's uh, move from positive to negative. What's something that I maybe could have done a little bit better? I thought that's what we were going with with the long thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. So like as the customer, did it feel like it dragged a little bit? No, I mean, it never felt like it dragged. It was just. It was, it was long. just long. Yeah. yeah. But there's a difference between those two things. And it was just lots of active listening. Yeah. I think for me, what, what I felt like I missed is I should have asked you a little bit more about like, what do you want this to look like when it's all said and done? I, I feel like I, I should have, uh, I should have been more thorough with that. I, I kind of asked it up front and I should have pushed a little bit harder so that I had something better when I gave the recap to you. That, that was kind of the observation for me in the moment. Um, I really believe in the power of the recap that like, hey, so if I'm understanding you right, you mentioned your home was, was built in the 1950s, you have 2,000 square feet, and I found recapping that problem back and just saying, is that an accurate understanding or is, is, am I missing something before I show you fireplaces? I've, I've really liked that. Um, okay, great. Well, uh, let's go now to the next phase of the sales process. So 
I would like to go to the part of the sales process where we actually advise a solution. And so, and, and this is going to be tricky. Quinn, you're going to be the salesperson. Uh, it's going to be tricky because we're not going to have you go through all of the understanding. Because I mean, truly like Curtis, for me and you, like it took almost 10 minutes for each of us to go through this, which honestly, that's how long it should take with a customer. It should take three to 10 minutes with a customer sitting down to understand their project, to build that connection before we show them fireplaces. And we're not going to do that for you, Quinn. So um, what I would like to do is I'm going to be the customer and I want you to take the situation that I gave Curtis. So just to recap on it, my house is 1,500 square feet. I've got two little kids. We're really nervous about burning wood. Uh, We'd like to burn gas. We're on natural gas, you know, kind of outside of Lexington. The house was built in 1926. And the fireplace is on an outside wall. I'm trying to think about what else. Yeah, it's masonry. Um, we want something that works in a power outage. We want to be able to, um, to keep the family warm. And I was saying, you know, before we turn the mics on, I was like, Hey, let's not, uh, let's not name names of brands when we do this, but let's actually just do that just to keep it natural for you. So, um, let's pretend that you just said, Hey Tim, so if I understand you, this is your situation. I think I got a couple of fireplaces. I think I got a fireplace of mine to be a really good fit. And then let's go and you talk to me about that fireplace and if you if it so if you want to ease into it you can recap the situation to me and then and then we'll go all right sounds good all right so hey tim uh yeah thanks for bearing with me and answering all those questions uh if if i understand you right you've you've got an older fireplace Mm -hmm. that you are looking to get a gas fireplace installed in yeah um you like the ease of that without the worry of wood Mm mm-hmm um, you've got two kids that, that run around there and so you want to make sure they stay warm, but also safe. Yes. Um, does, does that, did I miss anything there? No, that's, that's exactly it. All right. sounds great. Well, if, if uh, I got a fireplace in mind that I think is going to work great for you, if you don't mind following me over to the gas inserts. Okay, cool. All right. So, uh, here we go. Get this turned. I've, I've got it turned on, but I'm gonna go ahead and turn up these flames for you just so you can get a good look at it. Okay, perfect. Um, I've got this this Valor G4 that I think is gonna work great in your fireplace. Okay. Uh, there's a couple different things going on there that are that are gonna be wonderful. Of course, it's gas. We're looking at that right now. Uh, what I really like about it is that it doesn't require any power. So, and most of them, most fireplaces will have a battery backup, but this one can go no power for a long time so you don't have to worry about the power going out and oh oh no i didn't i didn't replace the batteries so i got to get in there oh yeah yeah so i really like that it's got a safety screen to keep those kiddos safe what do you mean by that uh well so this glass is going to get really hot to radiate that heat out into oh, the room yeah. um and they actually not used to not require these screens and people would burn themselves on it so now they're required are you serious um but this has a great one that looks really nice and and you'll be uh they'll be sure to be safe yeah that's uh that was a huge concern was yeah i mean with burning wood was that the kids would reach in and touch it so okay yeah that that's awesome it's got a safety screen on it yeah well and and it's also uh that more traditional style that i think uh will look nice but there are lots of options in case in case we we get the wife in on the project and she's uh not as keen on the traditional look there's some contemporary options that we can really work with okay so and and i mean you told me a little bit uh why this one in particular out of out of everything else well all all the other ones require a power cord to to run got it um for everyday function um and you really lose a lot of the functionality without the power cord in a power outage so we so we have to like stick that cord next to the wall yes you see that cord run into the side from a design perspective 
it's not great. Or you can have electrical run into the fireplace, but then you got to involve a, a, an electrician. What's that. what's that cost? Uh, it depends on the area. Usually you're looking at about five or 600 bucks on something like that. Oh, dang. And this one doesn't need it. This does not need okay. that. That's yeah, right. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it looks nice. Um, and so, so I, I saw you use the remote control. So it comes with that remote. Yes. Yeah. It comes with this remote. It's, uh, it, 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 it's, you can control the pilot so you can turn the pilot off when you're not using it in the summer, conserve some gas there so that your bill's not going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can turn the flames up and down. So it's got actually got a 50% turndown rate, which uh, is going to allow you to use it even on those days where it's not, not super, uh, super cold. Oh, nice. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, awesome. So w- what other questions should I be asking? I haven't done this before. Yeah, well, so I think one of the biggest things with, uh, with, with getting a fireplace is that the, the process can be a little bit esoteric unless it's explained to you because you don't do it every day. And so I just want to let you know, typically this is how our process goes, is that I will actually, today I'll get you a quote okay. before you leave so you know exactly what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. If that looks good, we can get somebody out to your house to take a look at everything, um, make sure that this fireplace is going to work for your home. Okay. And then from there... Uh, we'll just get it installed. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So, do you mind if I write you up that quote? No, that's great. Okay. Time out. Um, Quinn, how how'd you feel as a salesperson? It was a little clunky, just not coming straight from the asking the questions. hundred oh, percent. Um, but I, you know, I felt like I did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it it is clunky coming from not asking the questions. And again, we notice it here because we just ask the questions. But think about every time you don't ask the customer the questions. It's this clunky, but you just may not know it, right? But for the customer, you know, and 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 as the and I'll say as the as the as the customer, um, it didn't feel it didn't feel overly clunky to me. But I know exactly what you mean. Like when you don't ask those questions and take that deep dive, it is it is tough to just jump in and pick out a product because it's like, well, wait a minute, is this important to them? Do they want this? Well, we only know that when we're the ones that are asking those questions. So, yeah, but I, I thought you did a really good job. I think that, you know, you listened and you talked to me about no power, and that's in direct relationship to me being worried about a power outage. You gave me reassurance when I said, well, what about these models? And you said, well, th- those require power. And you explained the power cord. And when I asked about, well, what's that cost to, you know, put it in there? And you said, you know, what, 500 bucks, 600 bucks for me as a customer that made me go, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it makes sense that we're looking at this one then. So that was a, that was, it was a very logical explanation you gave me without like a sales spin on it. So I I thought that that was, that was great. Curtis, what did you think went well? Um, I like that you, you brought it back into the fact that the, uh, that the partner wasn't there in the showroom to pick out the designs. So the fireplace or the insert that you recommended, you mentioned that it had lots of options. So if once he got back home and they talked about it, they wanted to go a different route, this is still the fireplace for them or it still could be. Yeah, that's great. Um, Okay, one piece of feedback. Um, Okay, so I got some feedback. It, It is a little bit nuanced though because you didn't ask the questions. But I would say one piece of feedback would be turning the features that you told me about into a story. Um, and that's really hard. And, and this takes a lot of time, but, um, 
yeah, if we could if we could turn the features into a story, and maybe in a second I'll, we'll go through an exercise. There's a couple kind of stories that I, I kind of keep in my back pocket for in particular gas inserts, but stories are really memorable. Um, the information you gave me was good, and it was spoken to me at my level as a customer. You are not using confusing language like BTUs, decorative fronts, all those things, um, but making the conversation a little bit more story-based would be my one piece of feedback. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. Um, okay, let's do this. So we are, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the time. We're, we're 35 minutes into this. And, and you can see it like sales practice takes time like to, to practice it, to debrief, to, you know, affirm what went well. Um, that takes time. I mean, and, and so easily, like if you're going to do this for an hour a week, you're probably not going to get to actually doing a complete sale start to finish because by the time you work on each step and micro analyze the process, like it just, you know, all of a sudden the meeting is over. But I think that this is really worth doing on a regular basis, even if you're only working on the greeting, only working on understanding the the customer's problem and not even getting to the rest of the steps. Um, I got to tell you what you did amazing at Quinn is you wrapped it up by telling me the next steps. Like when you said, hey, before you leave today, I'll write you up a quote for this. That way you understand what it will cost. That was phenomenal. And then you said, yeah, and if those numbers look good, we'll send you know our estimator out. This is the reason why they come out. And then from there, we'll get it installed. Giving the customer the next step is so amazing. Even if like, if you feel it's going awkwardly, you're kind of running out of things to say, just giving the customer the next steps and just allowing them to follow the path is really, really good. So that, that was phenomenal. And truly, um, I mean, again, like in, in my secret shopping that I've done, I have, I've never, I don't think had a salesperson lay out the steps like you just did. So that was, that was super, super good in, in the real world. That would have been a great interaction with the customer. Um, okay. So let's end it with this. Um, I want, I want to do something on product stories. And so my thought would be, uh, Quinn, you were the customer for me, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. Let's, uh, let's do that again. I'll give the recap and let me tell, um, a product story and, and, and let's maybe just workshop that at the end to talk about it. And then, and then we can wrap this up. Sounds good. Cool. Okay, Quinn. Well, thanks a ton for answering all those questions. And I, I know it, you know, can be a little bit arduous, but that, that really gives me a, a good sense of your project. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of fireplace models that I have in mind that I think would really, really help you out. Um, would it be okay if we went and took a look at them? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, perfect. Well, let's come on over here. Now, Quinn, this, this wall that we're looking at has a few different gas fireplaces on it. And, and sometimes the models and the features can be a little bit confusing. And so, um, you know, before we start looking at the specifics, what's going to be really cool is that, is that of the, the three that we're going to look at, no matter which one you decide on, there's going to be two major problems that it's going to help you solve. The first one, we, we kind of joke about this as a company, but fireplaces suck. And, you know, when I say that, it, it, it's that any, anytime you, you burn a fireplace that, you know, you, you put your wood in and you, and you burn it, it's actually taking all the air that you've already paid to heat up with your furnace in your house and it, it's sucking it out of the house. Because anytime you burn a wood fire, that fire needs air to burn and it's pulling it from the house. So all the warm air that your furnace is heated up gets pulled out. Your furnace has to bring new air into the house, heat it back up just to bring the house up to the same temperature it was. So the house is actually colder than it was to begin with anytime you're burning an open fireplace like that. So when we put these gas fireplaces in, 
when we, we slide the fireplace inside of your, your fireplace opening, and then we actually run two vent pipes up your chimney, one of those vent pipes is going to bring in all the air that the fireplace needs to burn, so it's not pulling it out of your house anymore. The other pipe pushes out all the exhaust, and then we seal the chimney up completely around it. So literally, like before you've even turned this on, we've plugged that hole, and your house is more energy efficient than it was to begin with. And I, so whichever one of these we pick, I mean, I think that that's going to be a really good thing for your home. That sounds great. The other thing that, that's going to happen is with a fireplace like this, you're going to find that it's able to create a really warm comfort zone in this space where your family hangs out. I know you said that it's a pretty central area where, where this is going. And anytime you have an older house with a, with a central furnace inside of it, like you mentioned, central furnaces are really good at keeping the entire house from freezing, right? They're, they're good at making sure that the back bedrooms, the bathrooms, everything stays at a, at a reasonable temperature. Where central furnaces struggle is if you're cold in the living room and you, know, you turn your thermostat up from say you know 67 to 69 degrees, the furnace turns on, it heats up every square foot of your house, whether anybody's in there or not, just to bring your living room up to temperature. So while furnaces are great for making sure the house doesn't freeze, they're just not made to efficiently make your individual room comfortable. So the cool thing is when you put in one of these fireplaces and you turn it on, all of your heat is right there in this room. It's going to create a comfort zone in that space where your family hangs out. And and over time, that heat will start to spread to the rest of the house. But what you're going to find is that your thermostat isn't going to turn on or, or turn off. Your furnace isn't going to do that because your temperature where your thermostat is is going to largely stay the same. And you're going to be able to heat this space up where your family is and not the area where your family isn't. And you'll actually be able to do it for like literally a fraction of the cost of running your gas furnace. And, you know, we, we, it, it would kind of be like with a gas furnace, if you were to turn your, your faucet on to wash your hands, if every faucet in your house turned on at the same time, and then when you turned your faucet off, they all turned off. Like it's just not an efficient use of water when all you're trying to do is wash your hands in that one room. So, you know, I know it's kind of a a strange analogy, but this is going to do the same thing with, with conserving your heat and making sure your house is comfortable, but also energy efficient. Does does that make sense? That does. Yeah. Uh, when we, when we turn the heat up sometimes in our, uh, to to heat up the living room, it'll make the bedroom way too warm. Yeah. Um, so that sounds great. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we had the exact same thing in our house being an older home you know, this is just something that we found, like when we put our fireplace in, it literally changed everything because we could take the thermostat remote on the fireplace and set it to, you know, 69 degrees and go put it in the kitchen. And the fireplace would just keep that whole space at that temperature and the furnace would never come on or go off. It was, it was awesome. That's great. That's great. Okay. We'll call time out on that. I wanted to talk about product stories. Um, so yeah, so I guess, uh, how did that feel to you guys as, how did that feel as the customer? That was good. Yeah. It, it, it made a lot of sense. The anecdotes were really nice. What do you think, Curtis? Uh, no, I really liked it as well. I, um, uh, I I'm writing down in my notes a couple of those things just because they were they flowed so well. It didn't seem scripted at all, even though like I know you've said those things a hundred times yeah. at least. Um, and I, I just I do really like the turning all the faucets on. Yeah, and you know that. And I should have said that earlier. I actually forgot about it, so I threw it in at the end. Normally, I do that a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, so that was that. But sorry, so I cut you off. No, no, that was that's totally fine. I um, yeah, I was just saying that I really like those. Those are things I think I'll put into my back pocket. Yeah, um, just because like it makes a lot of sense to someone who doesn't deal with fireplaces every day. Of course, I don't want every faucet in the house turning on. 
of course, I don't want every room getting hot. Totally. I want the living room I'm in getting hot. So it just makes sense. Yeah, we're always looking to build bridges to experiences that customers have every day. You know, so like the water analogy, with the the furnace analogy. Um, yeah, those 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 are those are day to day experiences that that the customer has. Um, I think I think when it comes to sales, it's stories like that that will sell a gas insert, you know, cause what, what I, I just goes back to my friend, Pat Budson. He, he's been a mentor of mine for, for a long, long time. Pat would always say in sales, step one, you sell yourself. Step two, you sell your company. Step three, you sell your product. And he says, you have to go in that order. You have to sell yourself first. They got to believe and trust you. After that, you have to sell the company. You got to prove that we are competent to solve your problem. Once they believe you're competent to solve the problem, then you can sell the product. So I was actually kind of trying to do that with this as I was actually trying to sell the company, even though I didn't talk about us. What I wanted to do is plant the seed. Hey, Quinn, we're going to look at a few models. It, it can be a little bit confusing, but I just want to make sure that you understand whichever one of these you pick, it's going to do this for you. And I tried to tell that story with confidence and authority. Like, yeah, we do this all the time and like not use a sales spin, but just tell the story about how your house has a hole in it. And we're going to plug that hole. And, and that's a true story. And it makes it sound like we've done it a lot, which we have. And that is therefore selling our company that we are competent to solve your problem. And then after that, the product just works itself out most of the time. When we start with product, we lose. When we start with a connection by selling ourselves, and then we say our company can help you solve your problem. And here's why. Then we jump to the product and at that point, we're starting to run downhill and we can go real quick. Well, and with, with my scenario, I also had already been sold on, on several instances. Yes. So it was extra important to sell, sell us as a company and you as a person because they'd already gotten quotes from other places. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and I, I think that uh, that's really important that, that you said that because at this other business in this fictitious example they were shown these models which are great models of fireplaces but my guess is that they were read like you as the customer you read a spec sheet oh yeah this has thirty thousand bts an hour they used to use a standing pilot system but now they've upgraded to an ipi system that's a lot more efficient and they use direct vent technology which is great because it's no longer using room air for combustion like that's the stuff people are told but that's in one ear and out the other um what were the word pictures that you guys noticed in that story I told that, that stood out to you that, that maybe you would remember, you know, like later that night or the next day? Plugging up the hole of the fireplace and the chimney at the top. Yeah. And, and I noticed you're speaking with your hands as you're saying that. And that's a big thing too. It's like, as I was doing that, like I'm speaking with my hands the whole time, but yeah, the way you spoke with your hands was great right there. Um, yeah, no, you mentioned that like uh, a joke we have in the industry is that fireplaces suck. And so when you mentioned kind of like piggybacking off what Quinn said, when you mentioned sealing that fireplace, that's a really tangible thing that I'm going to think of tonight when I'm in the living room and I feel that cold draft come in, assuming it's cold outside. Yeah. 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 Word pictures really make a difference. We're always looking to build a bridge. Um, what I tried to do also was then explain my personal experience, right? So after I've explained what it's going to do for you, then I was saying, yeah, and this is actually what happened with our family when we did it. And, and that's a true story. Now I was making up that I have an older home because, uh, that was my customer scenario earlier was that my home was built in 1926. But you know, we do have a, we have a fireplace in our house and I tell customers all the time, like, yeah, like we used to just rely on our central furnace and it changed everything when we had a fireplace put in that had a remote control and we can just set the thermostat, go put it in the kitchen. Um, 
you know, we don't want to make us the hero of the story, but what, what telling that story in that tasteful way does is it shows that I have had the same experience. It has helped me, and now I can help you have the same experience. So the focus is still on you, but my supporting story is just more proof that we're able and competent to help you solve your problem. So that was awesome. I wish that we could just keep going and going, but um, to round out, like for people who are listening, like why is it important that they commit to a cadence of practice? Well, if you're a football coach, you don't run, you don't run a new play for the first time in a game. <laughs> yeah. You run it a hundred times in practice first with no defense, and then you implement the defense, and then you run it in a game. Dude, that is so so good. I never would have put it that way. I'm gonna start doing that when I teach this now. But that's why, like, I'm not a jerk customer when I secret shop because it's like, let's just let's just get the defense on the field a little bit, and like we can turn the intensity of the defense up over time. But actually, running the play is is really yeah the most important yeah curtis how about you um i mean it, it's really important to have that sales process just because it's easy to uh get lost or distracted when you dig right into uh you know if you grab onto the first keyword the client says and then rush right over to the direct vents uh, only to find out that's not going to fit yeah you have not only wasted your time and theirs but made yourself look kind of silly yeah, uh, which is what I found myself in a lot of the times. So, I mean, a, a sales process is really important just to I mean, make everyone's time worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, like even for me, uh, I today I, I performed, you know, probably on the on the better side of, of the of the Tim scale. Right. There's times where I'm, I'm terrible. That's OK. Like I can just do it again. But the only reason that I've been able to to do better and better is just because you know, like you said, like I've done it a hundred times. I've told the story a hundred times and started to learn more about the the nuance of it. Um, and I think that that rhythm of practice, I just can't, I, I can't underscore enough how much it will transform you and, and transform the rest of the team as well. And like, you know, what we just did guys, like you, you, you're being pretty gutsy to like jump on a podcast, do live sales practice and ask for feedback. And, and truly, I, I think that you guys are some of the best out there at taking these concepts and, and applying them in the day to day. So I'm really thankful for both of you and appreciate you being here today. Love the opportunity, Tim. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that live sales practice. Honestly, I was so pumped about it. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I mean, this takes serious guts to throw the mic up and do live sales practice and and be willing to be critiqued. I mean, Curtis and Quinn are phenomenal at this and, and I've actually done quite a bit of practice with them over the years. But what I've found, even in just observing them and the way that they work with customers is that what we practice starts to become permanent, right? Practice doesn't make perfect, but it does make permanent. The things that we talk about on a day-in, day-out basis, the stories that we tell about our fireplaces, the way that we ask questions to customers, this truly shapes us. And we can either practice on our customers or we can practice on each other and get better. Now, for you listening, this is going to take a commitment. You know, honestly, you're going to need to make regular time to sit down with your teams. And we talked about this a little bit last week. You, you probably need 30 to 45 minutes a week to do this. And it really helps to give out scenarios ahead of time. Like what I gave, you know, Curtis and Quinn and, and myself for that practice was just some, just some basic scenarios. You know, 
hey, you have a 1500 square foot house. It has an open fireplace. There's gas to the house, but not to the fireplace. You have a very steep roof. You have two little kids and you just went down the street to look at XYZ competitive brand, right? That would be an example of a scenario. So it doesn't take that long to draw up about 20 of these and you can, you know, print them out, crumple them up and put them in a fishbowl and people can just pick one out. But this really sets it up well. And, and the goal of sales practice when you're the customer is not to be a jerk and derail the whole thing, but it's just to let the process play out and see what observations you have. And as the team gets better and better, you can start to throw little curveballs, but don't do that at the beginning. At the beginning, just get the practice out there and observe what happens in a semi real world environment. You know, I, I just, I, I can't speak enough about what this has done for myself and what I've seen it do for, for other people. I mean, I've, I've truly seen salespeople, you know, go from 350,000 year one to 850,000 in year two, and then even higher than that in, in year three. And a lot of it has to do with the commitment to practice regularly, to get better at our craft and to, to think about and understand the way that we come off to customers. So I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that. Well, now that we're done with this series on building a framework of sales management, we're going to finish out the season with a series of regular episodes where I've got some really, really cool guests to interview. And I'm excited for you to hear all of these topics. One thing I'll say though, is that if you have any questions that have come up listening to these episodes on sales management, or if you have questions on these future episodes this season, we're going to be ending the season as always with a Q&A episode. And you can send those questions in to Tim at itsfiretime.com. That's Tim at itsfiretime.com. And I'll do my best to answer them in that final episode of the season. Well, hey, if this podcast and this series has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash itsfiretime. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash It's Fire Time. And seriously, we are so thankful for the contributions of, of all of you who contribute regularly. It, it helps this thing stay afloat and we operate on a shoestring budget. And truly, like every penny contributed goes towards improving the quality of the podcast and hopefully just continuing to, to give more and more value as you're in the trenches every day running your business. So, your homework this week before we jump into next week's episode is to host a live sales practice with your team. Run it just the way that we did in this episode, but host this practice and you will be amazed at what you take away from it. So with that said, I'm going to step out and I cannot wait to talk to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all in to burn it down.